0: Welcome back to episode thirteen of the long Halloween. I'm your host Efa, and I've just watched Adam Sandler's Halloween for the thirteenth time in a row, and it was it was a slow one again, but def- definitely better than it was yesterday. It it dragged, but I think partially because I managed to get up at a normal time, I've still got day ahead of me, it's, it's like, there are several hours of daylight left before, I, the the night, the night just comes, the wintry Scottish night begins, and, um, what else was I gonna say? Yeah, I I mean, I haven't eaten anything. Maybe eating is the problem. Maybe I need to just be hungry when I watch Ruby Halloween and not satiate my hunger. That may be the real problem. But I laughed today. I laughed, and I haven't laughed at this film, other than The Drinking Game, in quite a while. Probably, I mean, there were only two and they were both in the museum scene, but that's two more than yesterday which is only a good thing that was when dot bins the word searches and when the girl the girl sort of reaction who i've mentioned before the girl on the right in that shot her reaction to being offered soup by hoobie her face just is very good during that i don't know if we talked about it in the drinking game episode cuz Obviously, we were a bit sloshed and ended up kind of avoiding talking about Hoobie Halloween. But, like, a conclusion that we, came, we kind of came to whilst we were watching that is that one of the biggest sort of letdowns of Hoobie Halloween is kind of how sloppy the editing is. I've mentioned scene transitions before. And even in sort of within scenes, the, like, cuts between shots can feel wild at some points and the fact that some scenes just end and start and some have kind of awkward transitions like they some of them have good transitions like the radio the radio is the the only good transition i can think of like i don't think any of them are like horrific it's not it doesn't have like fast cinema michael bay catwoman michael bay slash catwoman i should say it's not michael bay's catwoman but it doesn't have that sort of problem of, like, a cut every, like, 0.3 seconds. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just check out on YouTube uh, the Catwoman basketball scene. And just to see how horrific that is for just a bajillion cuts. And that that's sort of something that I'm going to whip out my film studies semester I did here. Um, that we call fast cinema. And... Yeah, I don't think you you would consider Who Halloween fast cin- cinema. I mean, it's very efficient in some instances. It's certainly not slow cinema either, it's somewhere in the middle. Well, it's on the faster end, but it's not, like, as in-your-face and hectic as some stuff is. Hmm. But yeah, what I was going to say with this is I think the film is quite well shot. And... I've been wrestling with this question for sort of the past week or so when I've been like, oh, I should probably criticise the film in, like, a bit more of a technical way. Like, the technical side of films at least has never been my favourite. I much prefer talking about, like, interpreting the film, which is something I'm planning on doing later. The vast majority of my notes are unpacking one very specific thing I've hinted at in previous episodes. But, like, I think, like, this is a pretty well shot film. Like, I always start thinking, oh no, I'm saying, like, so much. I always start thinking about this, um, the issue of cinematography about the time we get to the sort of, almost parlour scene? The, like, scene where they're trying, where they're, like, trying to work out who did it and accusing the mayor in the haunted house after Mr. Landolph has vanished, or been yanked. Um, after that scene... There's some like I always start thinking about it there because I'm like, oh, those are actually some quite nice shots. This is this is this kind of scene is shot in a way that's pretty cool, but that comes off the back of the 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 haunted house scene proper, and Chantelle and Miss um, M- Andover, both of which I think are kind of boringly shot, but just paying, I tried to pay more attention today, I kind of only took one note on cinematography, and this is probably something I'll bring up again in future episodes, because we've still got 11 more after this, um, but yeah, like, the one shot I really picked up on today as being, like, a good shot is when, when we see, sort of, the camera, we, we, in the, um, funeral scene when we 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 sort of open on the singer singing i think it's called you Are the wind beneath my wings i think is the name of that song i think it's a about Midler song but it pans sort of from her over sort of the funeral crowd and like we see behind the crowd of mourners standing there hubi sort of with his telescope and then we like zoom in and do some other cool shots and i just really picked up on that shot in particular it's like this looks good. And like. I don't I don't think he'd be a bad film. I think it's a pretty decent film. It's not by far. It doesn't hold up to watching 11. Oh, well 13 times in 13 days. But. Uh, it is a good film. And I think if I'd watched it once. Or twice. I, I would be happy with it. But. Like even if it was a bad film. It is very very possible to have like some nuggets of decent cinematography in a bad film. I think Slender Man is a very good example of this. There's like a couple of shots in Slender Man which I'm, I'm I I I can't believe this is the first time I've talked about the film Slender Man, which if you look at my blog, I have written about an awful lot. The blog is in the description if you want to read about some like my my vague obsession with the film Slender Man. But that has some like really really cool shots and i won't spoil Slenderman here but like yeah there's just one shot where like one of the characters comes out of a dream and sits up and it's like shot in a like really i don't know if it's unconventional it's like a i don't know the like cinematography i was gonna say a tracking shot of her face but that's not what i mean i don't think because track yeah anyway you 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 will rec- if you've seen Slenderman. That that shot, I I think would stick out to you, as like good, because there's a lot of shit in Slenderman, but like, that shot is good. But I, I, this is all a little bit pointless because I think Hubie Halloween is a far better film than Slenderman, but it's also pretty well shot. It's no, it's no like, Midsommar or, that's I can't let's think of another film that's well shot. There's a lot of them. I don't know why I'm blanking. Like Midsommar or, I don't know, for Ragnarok? For Ragnarok's pretty. Eh, yeah, for Ragnarok's pretty, but it's also kind of bland. Well, well, it's bland in the way that it's shot, like, every single other Marvel film, but... Mm. Anyway, let's go on to the meat of what I want to talk about. Eight minutes in, we're about halfway through, and then we've used half of this to talk about... This is the episode when I pretend to f- know anything about film... So what I really want to talk about is, like, the way in which Hubie Halloween is trying to deconstruct the trope of the mentally ill serial killer that uh, that is massively prevalent in earlier horror, so it's the psycho films, and even to this day still appears time to time in horror. Like, it's a lot better now, but, like... You only have to look about as far as Halloween 2018, the Halloween reboot. Reboot is the word, not remake. Yeah, reboot. To see that the kind of trope of someone who... A slasher who kills because they are mentally ill is still a thing. And it, it is... I think Be Halloween is really trying to do its best to deconstruct this. Like, in the first half of the film... It goes out of its way to try and convince us that Richie Hartman is the killer. We get um, an asylum, quote unquote. I'll call it mental hospital because that's what they call it. I'm not really 100% sure of the exact right terminology for a place like that. Mental hospital sounds nicer than a lot of other options, like a lot of other words for it, but I don't know the exact right term. So if anyone wants to tell me that, if I'm wrong, I would be open to being told that. But. Yeah, we see him escaping the mental hospital, and we get told by Halal, who I think, and I, I think the inclusion of Halal, who is an orderly who's meant to be looking after these people, who is openly abusive towards the towards the patients he's meant to be treating, is another sort of inversion of this trope, almost. We often, I mean, it's not, like, too unusual to see, like, Figures like of abu- abuse in mental institutions in these sort of films. Although, more often than not, like if you think about R- Professor Professor Loomis in Halloween, they're like framed as the good guy, even though he is like a man who's failed at his job and has decided that he wants to kill the person he's charged with trying to help and um, protect. Hmm. Then we get like that the call that Officer Steve gets about him being on the loose, and that very much sort of reminded me of, just, I'm pretty sure a lot of this is very derivative of Halloween, which is probably, the, what this is going for. Like it's even in the name; it's called Who Be Halloween. I don't know whether or not that's meant to be kind of a riff on Halloween, but it's definitely going for that. And then we get the the scene on the street with all the. Kids going out trick-or-treating, trick-or-treating, that was very West Country me, trick-or-treating, my true accent show in. They go out trick-or-treating and um, we see um, Hartman find the pig mask on the floor and pick it up. Now, it's been a few months since I watched Halloween for the first time, but I'm pretty sure there is a scene in the first Halloween film where a Norman, not Norman Bates, what's he called? Mike Myers, Michael Myers finds um uh, his iconic mask on the floor and picks it up and puts it on whilst all these kids are out trick-or-treating. I'm pretty sure. Then we get, like, the the looking... We also get the looking... The standing outside Hoobie's house scene, because we know that he was childhood friends with Hoobie. And we get the looking over the fence scene, although that comes kind of at a point where, so, like, the the... It's starting to become obvious that it definitely isn't him. And then I think this culminates in Cookie and Danielle meeting him on the street, where, the at least musically, the the um, non-diegetic music very much conveys the idea that he's a frat to them, when in reality he's just shown them a shortcut to get back home. So, like, and I think... What the film does that's quite clever is it never tells us why he was sent to the mental hospital in the first place but we assume from the way that other characters react to him like particularly the farmers and um officer steve that he did something pretty bad like obvi- obviously from films like halloween we we can assume oh we we have the image in our mind of someone like Richie Hartman who was sent to a mental Institute a Mental Hospital in their teens that they probably murdered a family member or a friend. That's probably the the idea we have in our heads. But we never get told. So we are left to make assumptions that he and we fall down the same rabbit hole that Officer Steve falls down of assuming based purely on the idea on the fact that he is well he has he I guess Neurodivergence probably the best term for it. He is neurodivergent. He's not. He has a history of mental illness. um That he is out to kill people, when in reality he's uh, he's out for quite no, a noble reason. He's come to try and get his friend to come back to the to the hospital with him, which is extremely noble given the the, the limited amount that we see of how they're treated there in what looks like a prism. And I think for the most I I I can't decide how well I think they do at this. I think it's it's very like it's quite cool to see a San film trying to do something like this. But at the same time, the trope they are lampooning isn't exactly the most common trope in sin in horror f- cinema now. There's a Renegade Cut video that I would really recommend. I will link it in the description. That um has really gone into like mental like the the mentally ill killer trope and at the end he does end up saying this trope is kind of for the most part gone now even in Halloween 2018. The focus is It still manages, even though it has this kind of y- yikes depiction of a mental serial killer, it still manages to explore Laurie's PTSD and we have a bunch of other more modern horror films that frame sort of, that explore mental illness in a far more detailed way. So Babadook is probably the best example, a film that I made it halfway through and found it too spooky and switched off. But there's so many ho- horror films that explore mental illness in a way more nuanced way now. And To be fair to them, the trope that they are sort of lampooning, trying to examine, whatever you want to call it, is still massively influential in the classics of horror, whether or not we still see it in more modern horror films. So when all the, the, the people who are going to be given the capital and the power to make films are going to have grown up probably watching these films and are going to be influenced them and and also audiences are influenced them so this in the popular consciousness this idea is is exists and we need depictions i i can't believe i'm saying this but we need depictions like koopy halloween of these people who of um people with i don't know if mendelands is the right term i feel like that's dated. Like, neurodivergent people who aren't this, aren't this big, like, threat or are killing because of their uh, different differences. But at the same time, like, and I think for the most part Hoobie Halloween is a film which tries to punch up a lot of its jokes come from the fact that the abuse that Hoobie faces is so over-the-top and absurd, but it does kind of punch down and once we, it's revealed that Hoobie's mum is the actual killer or like someone who isn't the, the, the escapee is, is a killer. But we still get jokes kind of making, like laughing at how weird they are. It more so comes from the pissing and from kind of the werewolf stuff, which... I think is kind of harmless like the pissing is a bit silly but it's not like he's he's doing it like he's accidentally can't stop it he actively enjoys piercing and I think that's just a bit of a funny concept and the werewolf stuff is strange I'm sure there is a person or a few people out in the world who do think they're werewolves I don't know but um, I know it was a like there was a werewolf community on Tumblr or something, but that doesn't. I don't think that counts. That's more of a like furry type thing. But I think it's not the most egregious thing that Whoopi Halloween does. I think if you want to criticize it for its treatness treat treatness treatment of um, mental illness and neurodivergence, then the kind of making fun of. Landolpha for being dumb is probably a bit more yikes. That's still not that bad. And probably the worst film thing that Hughie Haring does in regards to jokes is the incredibly tokenistic depiction of black farmers in twenty twenty. Like, I I may have laughed at some of the things they said, but I don't like the <laughs> we can't eat peanut tonight is very funny, but. As a whole, Farmer Dan and Farmer Louise, I think, are very dated portrayals. I might be wrong, but it they just it just feels like caricatures from twenty years ago. Like, but hey ho! I think, as a whole, for an Adam Sandler film, Be Halloween* does a pretty good job of punching up and not punching down. Anyway, this is enough of me pretending to know about film. I did pass all my film courses, so technically I do know about film. And I, I, I have watched a lot of films this year. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do the thing where I watch a film every day, the equivalent of a film, so 366 films in 366 days because it's a leap year. And I am ahead, partially thanks to the fact I have to watch Hoopy Halloween 24 times. But yeah, I'm about 15 films ahead of my target at the moment, which is really cool. Um, And it's been. I've watched a bunch of really cool films. I'm probably going to do a blog post at the end of the year, going in more detail into that. But yeah, this has been episode thirteen of of the long Halloween. If you enjoyed this, please follow on um, wherever you're listening, like if that's a thing. You do whatever engagement you can do. So whether that's following or sort of rating it or whatever else. Follow me on my socials, they're linked in the description, my Instagram and my Twitter. Please share this with your friends. It's the, the like, those things are the only things I can do to grow. I'm a not well-off student. I can't afford to um, advertise this. I've already spent, like, 20 quid on a mic for this. That's as much as I really can afford to spend on a podcast that isn't making me any money. It's just making me happy. Um, but yeah this has been episode 13 11 to go we're, we're getting there i've been ether and i'll see you in hell